Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, if you're new to our church, um, we've been in a sermon series this, this the last couple of weeks that we've simply called uh, Like a Bosky. Okay, but if you're from West Texas and you were like Keena Clark and you are not Steve Whitaker, um, you're going to call it Like a Bosk. Okay, so I'm probably going to reference it from here on out, but I did say it correctly, just for the record. Okay, we're going to call it Like a Bosk, and I'd like us to jump over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 43, we're going to go to verses 18. And 19. And if you don't have a copy of the scriptures on your person, we have these screens to my right and to my left that we are going to throw the Bible on so that you don't miss a moment. We do not want you to be left out. But Isaiah 43, starting at verse 18, it reads a little something like this. He says, forget all that. This is God speaking. He says, but, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I love that. God says, I am about to do (laughs) something new. Um, real quick, I got to ask you this question before we go any further in our journey this morning. Um, have you ever, um, have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever just felt stuck? Maybe relationally, okay. Maybe emotionally, maybe spiritually, okay. Or maybe even physically. You have gotten yourself into a physical pickle, okay. Maybe you just have gotten yourself into a a jam. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've been stuck a time or two in my life. But anytime I think about somebody getting stuck, I am instantly transported b- back to being about seven years old, okay? And when I was seven years old, my mom and dad, they were the youth pastors at the church that we were at at the time. And I remember this one particular, this one particular time, my dad had this awe, an amazing idea that we were going to take our entire youth group over to Fredericksburg, Texas to go camping at Enchanted Rock, okay? And so I remember the day finally came. We all, we all load up in the church vans, and we head out to Fredericksburg, Texas. We finally make it to Enchanted Rock. We begin the laborious process of setting up a tent. Come on, it takes a rocket science degree to set them up now. It's ridiculous, okay? So we set everything up, and finally, after all that is done, my dad pipes up, and he's like, all right, we are going to summit the Big Dome. And if you aren't familiar, the Big Dome is the main attraction, okay, at Enchanted Rock. It is the main mountain, but it's a West Texas mountain, okay? It's a mountain, all right? So it's, it's, the, main, it's the main attraction. So I remember everybody kind of jumps in with my dad, and we find the summit trail, and we begin the long hike up, okay? Seven hours later. Okay, it's more like 45 minutes, all right? But to a seven-year-old, what felt like seven hours later, finally we summit the big dome. And you can imagine, I am absolutely dehydrated. I am innervated. I am completely depleted of all energy. So what do I do? I just kind of like pass out on the ground, right? And all of a sudden, my dad pipes up and he says, no, 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 my son. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. We are not, (laughs) we're not done, all right? And then these words came out of my father's mouth. He says this. We've got to go through the snake hole. And I'll be honest with you, something inside of my little seven-year-old body shivered, okay? Something quivered, okay? Because I heard him correctly. I heard snake 
hole, okay? So instantly, I'm like, what is the snake hole? And what the snake hole essentially is, is it is, it is a cave, okay? But calling it a cave is generous, all right? It is, it is a tunnel that goes underground. You've got to crawl through on your hands and on your knees with a flashlight until finally, after dodging and weaving all of these sharp, jagged rocks, you pop out on the other side of the earth and take a group photo in, the, in front of the Great Wall of China, okay? This is what this is, okay? It is a, it is a tunnel underground. And my dad's like, we're going to go in the tunnel. And so he's like, everybody line up single file line. So all of a sudden we begin to jump in line and I'm right there with him. So I jump in line and this one particular young man jumps in line in front of me. Okay. And this young man's name was Willie. Okay. And you got to understand this about Willie. Willie was not your average 15 year old. Okay. Willie was not the size nor the stature of an average 15-year-old. Willie was, as his mom had probably told him, big-boned, okay? He was, he was a little more on the husky side. He was a little bit more on the robust side of life, okay? So Willie jumps in line in front of me, and he is going to go in the snake hole. So we begin our plunge down into the earth, and one person after the, earth, the next is just disappearing, and finally we we go in, and Willie and I are making our journey through the snake hole. We're crawling on our hands and our knees till finally we come to a point in our journey in which there is a crack, okay? There is a crevice that you've got to pass through in order to continue going through the snake hole. So Willie sees the crack, sees the crevice, and he's like, piece of cake, okay? And Willie could crush some cake, all right? So... <laughs> Willie sees the crack, he sees the crevice, and he's like, no problem. So Willie shoves the top portion of his body into this crack and quickly realizes that the latter portion of his body is not coming, okay? Willie is stuck inside the snake hole. And I would love to say that in that moment, I heard Willie start to recall, to rehearse, to recount the countless faith-based messages he had heard my dad give Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday. Maybe all of a sudden a song, a worship song, begins to well up out of his soul and he just goes, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, Lord. But no, 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 oh, contraire. Rather than worshiping, rather than praising, all of a sudden, Willie starts losing his mind, okay? Willie is going bananas. Willie has lost his marbles. He is clawing. He is scraping. He is kicking. He is screaming. He is yelling out all this stuff about he is how he is going to die. He is yelling out all these absurd and obscene things. And I'll be honest with you. I have thought Willie was a Christian, okay? But his vocabulary in that moment told me he was not, Okay? Because I heard him utter some words I had never heard my pastor dad say, okay? He spoke in a tongue that needed no interpretation, okay? And I cannot repeat it over this microphone. Let's just say it was not exactly positive, encouraging Caleb, okay? It was not, not good, right? So Willie's losing it. He's going bananas. He's going berserk. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the, Willie's voice reverberates off the walls. And my dad, my dad hears, Willie's in, a tr Willie's in trouble, so all of a sudden, my dad just begins to make his way back through the kids. He's doing all these acrobatic stunts, which if you know Pastor Brandon is a miracle, okay? <laughs> so God in inhabited my dad's body, and all of a sudden, he, he made it to where all of a sudden, my dad, my dad could get back to Willie. And I remember I'm sitting on the other side of the crack, and I'm listening to what's happening. And I remember my dad just kind of stoops down by Willie, and he says, um, Willie, I think that if you'll calm down, we can get you out of here. 
you know what, you're, you're, you're hyperventilating, your chest is heaving, it's making you bigger than you really are, and I think that if you will just calm down, I think if you'll just calm your breathing, I think that we can get you out of here, but don't worry, buddy, I'm not going anywhere. And would you believe that as my dad just simply whispered and spoke softly into Willie's ear, all of a sudden, Willie's his breathing began to regulate, his pulse began to slow down, and would you believe Willie was able to slip through that crack and that crevice and make it out onto the other side of the snake hole completely unscathed. Willie was able to move, to move forward. And you know, I have to tell you this, and I, I hope you can see this, that the only thing keeping Willie stuck where he was wasn't really where he was, but rather how he was reacting to where he was, how he was responding to where he was. And I wonder if for some of us this morning, the same is true in our own lives. You know what? If you feel stuck, if you feel stuck in some particular moment or some particular part of your life, may I suggest that it might not be due to where you are, but how you are reacting to where you are. Maybe if you allowed the sweet voice of God to come in and remove those mindsets, remove those attitudes, remove those lenses that you have been continually and perpetually living your life through that are keeping you stuck where you are, maybe you could actually find some traction once again. Because I promise you, if you will, the sweet voice of God, the sweet spirit of God that we talked about last week will meet you right in that stuck place. And if you allow him to whisper into your ear the truth about your situation and you will heed his voice, you will begin to find momentum. Why? Amen. Why? Because when we change our reaction, our lives find traction. If you'll change your reaction, your life will find traction. And why is this so important? Because God has something new for you. God's got more for you. Yes, this nice little pity party we have been throwing for maybe some time now has been really fun, but the party's over and it's time to move into the new season, move into the new space and place that God is leading and beckoning you into. There's too many things that we have ahead of us to stay, to stay here. Isn't that what we read a moment ago in Isaiah 43? He says, hey, 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 everybody, I'm about, I'm about to do something new. I'm here to tell you this morning, my friend, if you are on planet Earth right now and you are sucking oxygen, that tells me that there is a purpose behind your pulse, a plan for your life, and that God is not done with you. There is more in store. Come on, let's give God some glory. God, God's got something new ahead of you. But you see, the problem is this, is that so many times we love to step into the new thing, but the problem is we want to step into it the old way. So often we want to, we want to operate in the new the exact same way we did the old. But I'm here to tell you this morning, my friends, the new, it, it doesn't exactly work the same way the old did. I think that's why Isaiah 43 verse 18 starts like it did. Can we put it back on the, on the screen for just a second? He says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. He's saying, hey, let it go. It does not belong where you're going. This stuff, the way you've been operating, yeah, 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 it's not going to take you where I want to lead you. This is not 
how things were designed. The new, it doesn't exactly work like, like the old. You know, I've grown up and I love, I love stories, okay? I'm a storyteller. My dad's a storyteller. We come by it honestly. And I love growing up and hearing family stories, right? And I love hearing all the stories of my Meemaw. Meemaw, if you're watching, I love you. Um, but I, I, I just love it. But one of my favorite stories is about my great-great-grandfather. And he, he was a man by the name of Jim Fields, okay? And uh, Jim Fields was a Southern Baptist preacher out in, out in La Mesa, Texas, okay? And so as he would go in his day, the way he got to and fro, the way he would get around was he would ride around in a horse, and buggy. That was how he got everywhere he was going. So in a, you can imagine in a horse and buggy, you have the reins. Okay, you're steering the horse as to lead it where you want to go. And if you want the horse to slow down, you got to start pulling on those reins. And if the horse is at a good gallop, you may have to pull really hard to get that horse to come to a stop. So this is how he got around. This is what he knew. Well, all of a sudden, the day finally came where the Fields family got their first Model A. Okay, they got their first family vehicle. And as it goes today, you know, the younger generation has to teach the older generation how to use the technology, okay? So the whole family jumps in the car, and the kids are going to teach their dad how to drive, okay? So they go out on some little dirt road out in West Texas, and all of a sudden, Pastor Jim, is he's behind the wheel, right? He's driving along, and he's, go, he's just clipping along, and all of a sudden, this vehicle gets going a little too quick for his liking. So what does he do? He starts to gently pull on the steering wheel. He's just gently pulling on the steering wheel. And you can imagine that car did not slow down, okay? The car just continued to pick up speed, momentum, and velocity, okay? So now all of a sudden, the car's going a little faster. So he's, he's getting a little unnerved. He pulls a little bit harder on the steering wheel. The car continued to pick up speed, momentum, and velocity until finally he is about to lose it. He is freaking out. He grabs the steering wheel, pulls with all his might, and yells, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the car continued to pick up speed, momentum, and velocity until finally the car is beginning to shake. There he's nervous for his life. The kids have to jump over the back seat, sit up there with their dad, and they're like, Dad, stomp on the brake pedal. So he finally finds it. He stomps on it, practically stands on the thing. The car comes to a screeching halt. And as they're all sitting there in a cold sweat, one of the kids looks at the dad, and they're like, Dad. This doesn't work that way, okay? Your horse worked that way. This is a different kind of horse. This has horse power, okay? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Instead of pulling on the reins, you've got to press in to the brake pedal. You've got to press in to the braking power. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, maybe your old way of operating was that when your life began to go haywire, when things began to skid out of control, maybe you would just begin to just pull in your own strength. You would just try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You just try to use all your strength you could to kind of scrape the remains of your life together. And I hear the Spirit of God telling you this morning, no, this new life I'm bringing you into, it is not operated in your own strength. Your own strength got you where it got you, okay? That's why you're looking for a new option. And if you want where I'm taking you, you've got to not pull in your own strength. You've got to press into my power. You've got to press into my strength spirit. You've got to press into my promise. Come on. Zechariah 4, 6 says that it is not by power nor by might, but it is by my spirit, 
says the Lord. Come on, we've got to press into the promises of God when our lives begin to go haywire. Why? Because his promise is more. His promise is something, his promise is something, something new. His promise is that he will call us and beckon us and lead us in a forward direction. And if you are, hope you're hanging with me, but if you are going to be somebody who lives in that forward direction that God's calling you to live, you need to understand this, that living forward requires looking forward. Living forward requires you to look forward. Let's look at Isaiah 43, verse 19 again. He says this, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. And then he drops this question. Do you not see it? Do you not see it? Do you get the imperative implication here that where you look will determine how you live? Where you look will often determine how you how you live. You become what you behold. That's why God's saying, I need you to raise your standards. I need you to raise your eyes so that you can, you can run, you can walk, you can crawl if need be towards the prize that I've called you to, which is, which is my, myself. We've got to look. We've got to look for I remember the very first time I ever um, went to San Antonio, Texas, okay? I was about eight years old, and we were there celebrating my, my best friend's um, eighth or seventh birthday. I can't remember which it was, but I was, in the, I was in San Antonio for the very first time, and I, I'd never been there, you know? And I was away from my parents, which is a pretty awesome ordeal, especially if you're a Clark, because they don't let you anywhere out of sight, okay? Helicopter, okay? But, um, so, so, so we were in, I'm kidding, so we were in San Antonio, Texas, and I had heard all about it, right? You see it on TV, people constantly thought, thought it's where I said I was from, and I'm like, it's San Angelo, get it right, you know, respect the 325, you know what I mean? So it's like a legendary place in my mind. So finally, I'm, I'm in San Antonio, I'm eight years old, and there's my best friend, and I remember I'm, I'm walking around down by the Riverwalk, right? We're walking around, we're taking in all the culture, the Alamo, the, the smells of Mexican food, it's amazing, and we're walking down, and all of a sudden, as I'm walking down the sidewalk, I just begin to hear the, the clicking of hooves, okay? All of a sudden, I hear the pitter-patter of, of hooves behind me. So naturally, my eight-year-old ears are they're intrigued. They're inclined. So I turn my head to see a Clydesdale walking down the street. There is a Clydesdale walking down the middle of the San Antonio street. And attached to this Clydesdale was, was a horse carriage, okay? And inside this horse carriage were two people who were evidently in love, okay? Because they were giving each other a little TLC, okay? They were giving each other a little tender love and care, okay? They were smooching in the back of this horse carriage. They were making out in the middle, of the public square, and I'm eight years old, and I look at this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, do they realize they're in public? Now, I have to tell you, this was also during the same time and space in which I asked my dad, dad, when I get married, do I have to kiss my wife in front of everyone? Like, is there another option? Like, can we hug? Can we high five? Can we fist pound? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, is there another option? Okay, the Lord has since delivered me from that, okay? So all of a sudden, I see these people, they are, they are going to town in the back of this horse carriage. They are just kissing and passionately, my, my dad. And, they're, they're just, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm watching them. My mom and dad should have named me Tom because I was totally peeping, okay? And so I'm sitting there watching them, 
but I never quit walking, okay? I never stopped walking as I'm watching them. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, I was judging them, okay? Like I'm sitting there judging them in my heart, and I'm watching them, and I'm walking, and I'm walking, and then I was, all of a sudden, I walk, bam, right into a light pole. I walk smack dab into a light pole. All of a sudden, my world is spinning. I am falling to the ground. I hit the ground. My nose is bleeding. Marcy and the family jump around me. They're making sure I'm okay and alive, checking to see if I have a pulse. You know, they're, they're, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I did not disturb the smoochers, by the way, though. They had no idea what hit me, okay? (laughs) They never knew, all right? But all of a sudden, I walked right. I walked right into a light pole. And I have to tell you this, my friend. That light pole was easily avoidable, okay? And not only was that light pole easily avoidable, that light pole was placed there to help me walk down the sidewalk. That light pole was there to help me walk down the sidewalk, but instead I didn't see it. So instead of seeing it as a help, I saw it as a hindrance. Instead of seeing it as something that was to propel me, it was something that derailed me. Instead of something that assisted me, it resisted me. And I have to tell you this morning, maybe you have been going through your life labeling things as a hindrance that God has put in your life there to help you and propel you into the person you're called to be. But if you would lift your eyes and get a heavenly perspective of where God's calling you, maybe you would see things as though they really are. Maybe you would begin to see your friends, see your future, see your family, see your church, see your job in the light that God's called you. God's called you to see. The problem is, is that so many of us, we get distracted over here, don't we? We're running our race, but we're do- we have our face in their business. All of a sudden, we're over here. We're honestly judging people. Seriously, she wore that to church? Okay, he's going to show up to church. I saw where his truck was parked last night. Homeboy should have taken those bumper stickers off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I know what you're up to, you little, you little guy, you know? All of a sudden, we get, we get all judgy, and it causes us to miss out on what God's called us into, where maybe we're not in other people's business, but we're in our own business in the past. All of a sudden, we've got our face in our past. And the reason, so, you know, it's so true, a lot of us, we've got our heads shoved so far up our past, we can't even see our future. <laughs> you know, I'm just being honest. Some of us, our heads are shoved so far up our past, it's all we can see. We have no idea. We've got no idea what God's called us into. And I'm here to tell you this morning, your past, it is a point of reference, not a place of residence. Your past, it is just a point to reference, not a place of residence. You are not called to check into the holiday end of your past. No, God is calling you forward. God's calling you into something into something new. And I'm here to tell you, the only reason you should ever look at your history is to be reminded of his story because his story has completely flipped the script on your life. You may not be where you used to be, but thank God I'm moving into where he's called me. He's called me to be. Hey, man, we can't live out of this, out of this self-hatred or this, this, these, these projected images on other people. No, we've got to get our face in our race because God has something new and amazing ahead ahead of you. You know, um, Proverbs 29 says this. It says, where there is no vision, people perish. When we don't see, when we don't realize, when we can't ascertain what God has ahead of us, when God, what God's calling us into, we begin to meander. We begin to wander around the corridors of humanity, not really 
fulfilling the things that God has called us to do. You know, I spent, um, I spent the new year, I've spent the last two weeks in uh, Kampala, Uganda, okay? And uh, it was an amazing time. I got back on Tuesday from Africa, and uh, while I was over there, I was over there, and we were, we were putting on an event called Reaction Tour, okay? And uh, I went over there with this amazing organization. They asked me to, to be uh, one of the speakers for s- several of the night sessions, so I, 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 I preached to the Africans um, multiple nights, and then I also... I taught a leadership class during the day. So these, these Ugandans who felt that they had a call from God in their life to step into leadership and maybe in ministry or business or in some vocational way, they are called to, to, to leadership. And so we would, we would teach them and we had them do, draw business proposals. We had them literally um, act out um, a, a job. Um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Excuse me. I'm not really good at this. Interviews, there we go. We had them act out interviews with each other. And I even had multiple of the students in the class, class preach to the entire class. It was, it was an amazing time. But one of the things, one of the big things, the ultimate thing that we went over there with the, the singular message that we had for the Ugandans was the very thing I'm talking to you about right now. Was that God's got a vision for your life. Was that there is more ahead of you than meets the eye was that God's got something new in store for you. And why do I tell you that? I'm trying to remind you that this is not a cultural thing. This is not an American thing, okay? Having a purpose and a call from God on your life is something that transcends time, space, race, nationality, social status, economic status, age, or gender, okay? Whether you are red, yellow, black, or white, you are precious in God's sight, and there is a purpose behind your pulse. There is something God is calling and is leading you, is leading you into. God has some new things ahead of you, and if you will believe him and trust him and allow him to lead you into it, you'll live a life you never dreamed. You never dreamed was possible. And right about now, some of us in the room, and I kind of want to draw this down. If we could have somebody come and, and, and just play. I don't know where, if Nat's in here. Mauricio, if you got it. Daniel, cool. So many musicians. <laughs> but right about now, a lot of us were thinking, you know what, Keenan, that sounds amazing. I believe it. I, it resonates with my soul. I knew that there was more. My heart longs for, my heart longs for there to be more, but you don't really understand, Keenan. I'm in the middle of a, I'm in the middle of a, of a desert. I'm in the middle of a pretty dry place right now, Keenan. I'm in the middle of a wasteland. And so I know that God's called me to more, but once I finally figure this out, once I finally make my way out of this God-forsaken land that I have gotten myself into, I know there will be more waiting for me. But I've got to navigate through this right now. I'm in the desert, Keenan. And I want, us to, I want us to look at Isaiah. And the truth I want to bring to you is that new can start now. New can start now. Well, I love this. Isaiah 43, verse 19, he says this, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. And get this right here. This is important. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You know, we've been in this series that we've called Like a Bosque, Like a Bosque. And you know what a bosque essentially is, is that. A bosque is a river in the desert. A bosque is a river in a dry 
wasteland. What is God telling us this morning? I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart through this scripture right now. If that resonated with you and you say, Kenan, I'm in the desert. Kenan, I'm in the middle of a God-forsaken place in my life. And I know that once I navigate through or once I dot all my I's and cross all my T's, I'll be able to move into it. But i got to figure this stuff out right now. Maybe your desert looks like an addiction that you've been, you've been in the midst of. You've, it's, it's gripped you around the throat for maybe decades. Maybe, maybe your desert looks like debt. You're in debt up to your eyeballs and you have no idea how you're ever going to be able to find your way out. Maybe your desert looks like a broken relationship. Maybe your desert looks like an impending doom upon your marriage. I don't know what your, maybe your desert is a, is a sickness. I don't know what your desert is, but I feel God telling you this morning, I'm not waiting for you to get out of your desert. I'm coming into your desert. I'm not waiting for you to make your way to me. I'm coming to you. Why? Because grace is not man coming to God. It is God coming to man. This is the scandalous message of the gospel, that God will meet you right where you're at, but he's also so good that he is never, ever going to leave you there. He is going to lead you into the person he's called you to be. I feel this right now. I feel God telling you, if you find yourself in a desert, wherever it is, don't focus on the desert. Our bottom line is bask in the bosk. Don't focus on the desert. Get your eyes off of where you've gotten yourself and realize that I've gotten to you. Realize that my grace is sufficient in your weakness, that this is, like I said earlier, not by might nor by power, but it is by my spirit. By my spirit, says the Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.